0: Hello, this is On Irish Road, episode four What Haunts Me? Um, so named for a question that was posed to me. And that question was, Why can't you get over this? What is it that haunts you? by a friend of mine. <laughs> I thought, Hmm, that's not a great question. At least it's not phrased appropriately and not really all that appropriate. Um, for my situation and really difficult. I did answer the question, but I don't think I answered it appropriately. So I'm going to try to answer it right now. Um, so many things haunt me. Um, so I'll take take. We'll talk about that first, and we'll go into why can't I get over it. Um, what haunts me is that I never got to hear what he was going to say at the end. That was stolen. What haunts me is that they drank our pain and we had no, you know, access to his life. What haunts me is that they didn't reach out um, and that we didn't make more of an effort to reach out, namely because of my dad's, you know, his, his personality. You know, you lived in fear of his reaction. If you went outside the bounds of what was appropriate, my dad would tell you when you were going to talk, what day, what time, you know, occasionally he'd say, well, when do you want to talk? And I'd give him a, and normally he would make an adjustment to that, right? It was just the nature of our relationship with him. And, um, what haunts me are all the things that happened before, um, that, you know, led to us feeling like we couldn't talk to my dad about those things um, because he would just not talk to us or shut us out or get mad or angry or put us down or, or whatnot, you know, because in a normal, healthy relationship, I would have definitely said to my father, I don't think this is a good idea. I certainly don't think it's a good idea for you to be in their home. I think it's a much more appropriate situation for them to be in yours. And honestly, probably the most is that we didn't have a good relationship, right? We just didn't, you can't with a narcissist, but it's, you have to remind yourself of that constantly because it's very easy to go to that normal. Why didn't I have a better relationship with my dad? Why didn't I try harder? Why didn't I, putting the burden of everything on yourself, even though, you know, you counter that immediately Well, he was a narcissist, he was not ever going to respond the way a normal person would respond there was no real love there on his part for us Um, and those things haunt me you know that night that I got in not insisting to talk to my dad you know that haunts me not you know reaching out to people sooner to try to figure out what was going on all of those things they they eat up your head they just they get in your head and you can't get them out you just think why didn't why didn't why didn't and even if there's a very reasonable reason why you didn't do those things you know like i mentioned i felt unsafe in the situation that you know we were on in, in a you know isolated area um that we were made aware that there were cameras and guns and you know that he would call his buddies if he needed to um that my dad would not have heard it. I mean, in fact, you know, the one person that did say something, I think, to my dad was my uncle, um, the one that, you know, entered the picture first. And um, he brought it up and my dad basically didn't want anything to do with him. In fact, talked to me on the phone about how frustrated he was that he had brought it up. And so that haunts me. and, And just again, I think the main thing is that I didn't get a chance to say things and he didn't get a chance to say things back at the end. Um, and then really also how we found him, you know, laying on the floor, those moments, I wish we would have taken pictures. I wish we have some pictures, but I wish we would have taken more specific pictures and done more specific, you know, investigating in the moment, um, and asking questions, but we, felt powerless Um, why I can't get over it <laughs> you don't get over it I mean you just first of all grief isn't something you get over it's something you grow with I think it's something that changes you it's kind of a watershed moment depending on the person that dies and your relationship with them and whether they were an incredibly important you know player in your life as far as like being positive and there for you and or somebody that was a toxic presence um, I spent my whole life trying to make my dad love me and be proud of me. And, um, you know, the whole time he was throwing, you know, trouble my way and putting me down and talking bad about the people I cared about and separating, you know, his children instead of trying to bring them together. And, you know, he was always full shit. <laughs> And the relationship was never what a parental relationship should be, um, ever. And you don't get over it. And it, some days are better than others. So, you know, just speaking to the grieving process, there's not a checklist. There's not a, you know, I did this, this, and this. I feel better now. You don't, that doesn't happen. I think that what would have felt better. Again, some of the things I mentioned that haunted us, if some of those things hadn't happened or some of those things had happened and we had spoke up, even though he would have probably not talked to us again. Um, maybe, I don't know if I'd feel better. If I'd been like, oh, I shouldn't have said anything, then at least I would have been there. I don't know. Uh, at some point I want to read some of the texts verbatim that we got from them because it's something I can't quite bring myself to do. Um, I did it right after He died because I would read them to people. Uh, So they had an understanding of what it was we were dealing with. But going back and reading what happened is like living it again. Talking about it is kind of like that, but it's also more therapeutic, I think, than anything else. So, yeah. So that's that interesting question that was posed to me. Um, You are very alone in your grief unfortunately, even if you know there's three people who experienced basically the same thing. You experience it in different ways and you process it in different ways. So um yeah, that's a fun question or two to answer. So we left off with Friday night and Saturday and Sunday were rather eventful, but you know, at this point we don't ever see them again, right? So we don't ever actually lay eyes on these people again. I think that's important to mention. I did, however, have a conversation with somebody that they that they knew and know, that had a lot of information about them. Um, and we met, met that person on, on Saturday evening. Um, so Saturday we wake up, there's another text, you know, we're just we're not feeling up to it today kind of thing, right? This is the, right, we're going to have the, like, barbecue or the cookout or the bonfire thing on Friday after the funeral home that didn't happen. And on Saturday, you know, so overwhelmed, can't do it, maybe tomorrow, right? At this point, I think it's more like what are, what's happening, like what, what they're thinking, and as best I can tell based on our slow response to their texts and their responding to their own texts before we ever did, because there was, you know, a lull there, right? We're not giving them immediate gratification or answers. Um, are you guys okay? Came back very quick, like almost like feeling us out. Like, what do you know? (laughs) What do you think? What are you thinking? Um, we slept in on Saturday morning and um, answered those texts and just said, yeah, no, totally understand, take care. Again, I haven't read them recently. At some point I will read them out loud. And some of the texts from my dad as well because there's an interesting timeline there. But, um, yeah, so we get up, get showered, and we decide we're going to go have like a an early late lunch, a late lunch, early dinner kind of thing, even though we're going to a barbecue later that night. Let me tell you something, just really quick. If you ever lose a family member and you feel the need to not go places or do things, then don't go places or do things. Really what my sister and I needed was to be together, processing and not trying to put on airs and be around people who really rarely said, how are you guys doing? Like how, how, you know, it was weird <laughs> seeing people we hadn't seen in 20 plus years. And then they they have an agenda for you. And it's like, wait, hold on. I'm an adult. I just lost my dad. This is crazy. I don't, I don't need all, I don't need everybody in my ear telling me what we should and shouldn't be doing, where we should and shouldn't go, what we, you know, who to call, what to, it was, it was just chaos and just made the whole situation that much worse. Um, I remember I have a family back home and my husband's mother is on hospice and you know when I left I get I got to say goodbye to her before I went out to Pennsylvania. My dad was still alive at the time and she was still alive. And that changes over this weekend as well. Um so I'm there's a lot going on. I'm trying to support my kids from afar because their dad is also going through something and Um, And then they're just trying to make sure I'm okay. So it's getting crazy. It's just crazy, 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 crazy. And we decide we're going to go have this late lunch. And so we go to this, this bar. My sister's like, let's go to Duke's. So we go to Duke's, which is on the Susquehanna River, right across from Harrisburg. And my dad lived in an apartment. You could see from Duke's when we got there. So we sat for a moment in the car looking at that apartment and um just kinda talked about some of the things that had happened to us as as kids, things that I wasn't aware of and things that I was aware of. And um so you know, things she didn't know about me, things I didn't know about her. And I was brutal remembering some of the things that happened there, things that I hadn't even remembered until we started talking and just who he was after he moved to Pennsylvania away from his family. Um, He was not great before. In fact, a lot of the abuse I experienced was in Kansas City, but it was even worse when you tried to go into his territory and fit in. Because he had people to impress, right? And if you weren't... He actually had me lie about things, about myself. Um, Sometimes it was just more like prep. Like, just in case they ask you this, say this. Um, You know, but you were on, right? You had to perform and be good and wonderful. There was a lot of bad abuse that happened in that apartment. And there was another apartment as well. uh, Before he moved into the last place he lived. So... And we had a few drinks and we're running behind because, you know, we were just trying to process things. And again, that's why I think it's so important to not hold yourself to a schedule at that point, um, especially when it's just to make other people happy. And so we left um, and before the barbecue, we knew we were going to meet this this woman who knew them um, and she had some information that she wanted to share. I did fail to mention before that on Friday, one of the things that I had done was call the coroner um, to see if there was any way we could get some kind of toxicology report done to see if like, you know, there was anything we needed to know. And he did go out, I didn't find this out until Monday, but he did go out on Saturday and take pictures um, of, of the body and my dad's body of the injury to his face, which he said looked like scratches. Um, so those pictures are out there if we need them. And we had called the Pennsylvania State Police um, and talked to somebody and they said they would get back to us as well. Um, on, on top of, of that, I had called the, um, one of the things that had been mentioned to us was that he was a um, police officer with the Dillsburg Police Department. And so I called um, the Carroll Township Police chief and he called me back and said, that's not true. And number one, there is no Dillsburg Police Department. There is a Carroll Township Police, which is why you called me and we patrol that area. Um, And there's nobody by that name. And uh, he was very gracious and helpful, which I appreciated. Um, so that was, there was a man with a similar name. But when we talked about what he looked like and where he lived and that this was a good friend of his and that he was retired and that the ages didn't add up, the bill didn't add up, the fact that he wasn't married didn't add up. If it is the same guy, then there's even more there because that means he's pretending to not have a family and you know, has another house and all of that. But the names didn't even match up, just the last name. And so, um, you know, we have, we definitely like he's lied, right? And so we go over to my uncle's house and this woman's sitting there that my uncle knows. And he had brought this up before um, because it was one of the reasons why he wanted to talk to my dad about them. And they were very resistant um Michael actually ran into them one time and they didn't even talk to him. Like they didn't even want to talk to him. They barely acknowledged him. Even though he he was like, "Hi, you know, I'm Ken's brother." And yeah, they just shut that down. Um you know, they were threatened, and I think that goes along with all these other things, like just the the lies, the deceit, the withholding of information, the you know, not reaching out to us, not facilitating, not encouraging, uh, communication, um, don't come out, you know, oh, he's fine. You know, it just means help. That kind of thing just was all, you know, to keep us at bay. And I think they probably thought when they first met my dad, that would be much easier for them because remember my dad's narcissist. He lies. So he lied, I'm sure about who we were, Um, underestimated us and and all sorts of things that didn't work out in their favor Um, although they may very well get away with all of this Um, you know I try to remind myself that these things take a long time to get attention on and um, you know justice for and if it's just that they can't ever do it again to somebody else um, or someone else or another family then that would be everything for us so, um, on, you know, we, we head over there and we walk in and there's this wonderfully, um, put together woman, um, very pretty, uh, you know, maybe a bit younger than me, early forties, maybe, maybe late forties. It's hard to tell. Um, if she's over 50, it's not fair because she just didn't look that old at all. And, um, kind of shy, very quiet spoken. And, um, so we, you know, made introductions and sat down and, um, I could tell she wasn't quite sure to where to start and what to say. So I started with, so let me just tell you what happened and, you know, told her, you know, about Christmas and the question they asked and then no communication and, um, you know, that my dad had gone up there and then he was in the basement and what happened that night and all you know, and she's just kind of shaking her head yes the whole time, like, you know, I can see it. Like, like she understood, right? Like, yeah, I can see this happening with them. And she's like, okay, well, let me just, you know, tell you my experience with them. And uh, so she, you know, says like, I, our daughters are friends, and they go to the same school, um, which you know, has been recent, uh, within the past, you know, year and a half. And so our, my daughter's interested in horses and their daughter's interested in horses. And so they, you know, reached out and, and we got the girls together and, you know, they, I think they took, she, they took one trip together and then they took a second trip. So this is what she kind of went into detail on. Um, she said that they went to the Outer Banks Um, and had a boat. Um, and that when, before her daughter went, she said, I just want to clarify that this is, you know, a family trip and there's not going to be anybody else there. And no, no, it's just a family trip. And so I guess she posted pictures, Julie, um, of them on this boat and she sees her daughter and she sees, um, a man or men she doesn't recognize And she tries calling Julie because she's very concerned and she's very protective of her daughter. And of course, these are teenage girls, right? So you just don't know. You want to know who they're around. And so she calls and there's no answer. And she calls again, no answer. And she, you know, texts, Hey, what's going on? I see these people in the picture. You know, I thought this was just a family vacation. What's going on? And it's, and it's late at night. So it's, it's later in the evening as well. So she's concerned in general about all sorts of things. So at one point I said, well, you know, they don't drink, right? I mean, of course we know this isn't true, but I wanted to hear her reaction. And she said, oh no, they totally, they drink all the time. Like they drink so much. Well, remember my dad was like absolutely opposed to people drinking and had told me numerous times they didn't drink. And again, it's hard to tell sometimes if the lie came from my dad or the lie came from them or it was coming from both, who knows? And, uh, so, you know, the reaction she got back from Julie via text was, she said, visceral, just very angry, accusatory, not, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yet, yeah. Okay. Let me tell you who these people are. It's, um, I should have asked you first. Any that, which I would have done. And we've taken our, our kids friends with us on trips before, uh, you're just extra cautious about what you do and what decisions you make. You have somebody else's child in your care. And, uh, she said it was just night and day. It was like a, a a flip was switched and she was just a different person. And, um, at one point she even considered, you know, chartering a helicopter to take it down there and to pick up her daughter and was, Oh no, you don't need to do that. We'll have her back. We're going to come back early. Well, not only did they not come back early, they came back late, late enough. And she knew, Julie knew that there was a, um, a barrel racing championship that her daughter was supposed to be back for on Sunday and they came back late enough that she wasn't able to get her to that so they came back later than they were supposed to um probably out of spite is what she thinks and that was the end of their interaction as far as in that moment now previous to that because there was a relationship there she went into some detail there said that you know Kevin wouldn't didn't want his picture taken because he was in the CIA, the DOJ. He was a police officer with the Dillsburg police department, um, that, uh, he hit on her numerous times and was very inappropriate. Um, on one occasion he said, I should have waited for somebody like you instead of Julie, um, that they weren't in a good marriage and he wasn't happy. Um, on another occasion she had, I guess, just gotten married or started dating somebody. And he said, I thought you would wait for me. I thought we would end up together. And, um, so she avoided him at all costs at that point, which does beg the question, then why would you send your daughter? But if you just thought the guy was hitting on you and I don't know, I mean, I, it's whatever it, it, you know, people don't always make the best decisions, but certainly not at fault in this at all. She wasn't. And, um, that he was slightly handsy with her and he made her uncomfortable, Uh, that Julie would do anything for him, that she bought him a boat when he was depressed and a truck when he was depressed. And, you know, neither of those are cheap. And, um, that the barn had been, you know, not worked on in forever until my dad came into the picture. And then all of a sudden these things, they start traveling, they start taking trips. There's money. Her daughter said that, Julie's daughter said that, um, they were taking care of this guy. When he died, they would be rich. Um, so those were some of the things, um, you know, the barn got completed. My dad was paying for a trip to Italy for Julie to take, to meet this woman there because she had to take her daughter over to see her dad, um, over in Europe. And so they thought they would meet somewhere. Of course, this is when they're on good terms, right? Over in Europe. And my father was paying for that trip. So remember they had said numerous times, like, we're not getting anything. we never take anything from your dad there's lies. And why do you lie? (laughs) Why do you lie is the most important question. Why do you lie? You lie to cover something up or to make somebody else feel better. Well, how is saying that going to make anybody else feel better? You're lying to hide something and, um, are painting a picture for us. You want us to believe certain things and you're pushing that on us. And we're saying, hold on, this doesn't seem right. Um, you know, she said, you know, that he scared her ultimately and that Julie's reaction to her concern for her daughter was very concerning. That there was no relationship any longer, Um, which she felt bad for the girls. She said, you know, their daughter is very sweet, but that there was no way she wanted any interaction with them whatsoever. She thought that they were capable of something along these lines of intentionally, you know, taking somebody in just to gain money. And she believed that was likely the case. Um, she thought that, you know, when we talked about being afraid that night and if we had spoken up, um, she's like, yeah, I, I, I would be afraid of him too. And I'm glad you didn't say anything. So these were all little Nuggets of information we got from her about their character and um, about how they reacted and acted um, in her her time with them and about what she heard um, from her daughter, about what their daughter had said about my dad. I do want to mention that my father on numerous occasions when he was staying with them would, would speak to the fact that their daughter was the one that would come down all the time to bring him things. Remember, he's in the basement, so walking up the stairs was not easy. He did say at one point they were going to get one of those little, you know, like chair elevator things, um, which I looked at their staircase and thought that would never, I don't think that would have even worked, maybe. Um, So my dad was basically trapped in this basement, whether he thought so or not at the time, um, I'm sure that worked to their favor he had a bell he would ring it somebody would come down and often it was their daughter um which just begs the question and and for me as a parent I can't imagine having putting my child through you know having somebody in our house that was going to die and knowing I was going to put them through that and it's not a family member right that doesn't seem to make sense like if she was taking care of him at his house that makes more sense in her home. Not so much, especially when at the end of your life, it doesn't really matter, you know, what the property looks like. If my dad's in the basement and can't get out to it, it doesn't matter that you're on 20 acres or 30 acres and there's a bird feeder and an occasional bear, right? I mean, you're in a basement. You should be around your stuff, you know, where people have access to you. And, um, And I think part of that is because she was his new source. Like narcissists have sources, people that make them feel better because, and I, and she was, she was checking all those boxes. She was saying what he needed to hear because I think she did her research. I think she knew what he wanted to hear. She just agreed with him. Um, you know, stroked his ego. He was calling her mommy. We know that because we have a cane that has a tag on it from Christmas. that says from mommy, AKA Julie to Ken, and my dad had, you know, issues with his mom. So she, you know, she knew what she was doing. There was, it was, it, it's sick, really, looking back at it. It, it. it makes my stomach turn thinking about what was going on in that house and what they were plotting or, you know, what their intentions were the whole time. It, it, it makes me sick that we ever went to their home. And we went there twice. I did. My sister only went there once, but I was there at Christmas and I, was there when he died. Um, so of course we get this information and we're like, oh, you know what we should do, go to a barbecue. No, I'm kidding. It was weird going to a barbecue with cousins and their kids and it was wonderful to see people, but you just, it's not, it, that was not an appropriate time for us, right? We really just needed people around us that were supporting us and really interested in how we were doing. And if that, those only people were just me and my sister that's who we should have been around. It's just the two of us. You just feel like you have to just sit there and be like, hi, Hey, uh, <laughs> I did reach out again to the, um, Pennsylvania state police that evening on the phone. Um, and you know, they said they would have somebody call me back. So this is the second time really I've heard that. Right. And anyway, so that was the beginning of the day or evening. And then we left because we just wanted to get out of there it just felt super weird being in somebody else's house and nobody's like to tell us about your life and what happened and you know how are you you know there weren't those questions it was like let's talk about your landscaping and i'll have another burger thanks it just it's not it's just weird right and uh, so we went to my sister's place of employment which was um you know, not too far from where she lives, and it was later in the evening, probably around eight o'clock, and we got there, and had a couple drinks, and Erin's talking to all of her regulars, and I sat at the bar, and just did research, um, and I got a text, and said to my sister, separately, not a group text, how are you doing, you know, again with a like oh my good buddy Ken and the bottle of Jack and the sad you know by myself and it's just so inappropriate I mean even if you go back and you say there was no element of any kind of criminal contact right they're just innocent people and these are just all weird circumstances they were so inappropriate and cold in their behavior and the hiding of things that that alone, it was enough for us to think something was going on. That these just weren't good people, right? And there are people that, that are just not good. You know, I think when you come from a place of like, you know, you know, trying to always do things with integrity and being kind, and giving people the benefit of the doubt, and all that bullshit, which is all good stuff. It's not bullshit, but it sometimes it feels like it feels like you're you're, you're not playing dirty. So you can't win. Um, you look at people like that. You, I can't believe that people do this. I can't believe people would do You just can't quite wrap your mind around it. It doesn't seem like people do that because you wouldn't do that. Right. But there are people out there that are just thinking about what they can get and not what they can give. And, um, so that was weird that night um, you know, just hearing somebody else confirm, yeah, I know them. They're not good was a lot. It was a lot for us. It just kind of was like, see, we're not crazy here. Like we were there. We know what happened. Something went terribly wrong. (sighs) Oh, anyway. So we went back home and, you know, I'm sure I can't remember. We stayed up and rocked in the fetal position and told ourselves everything was going to be okay and we were going to get through this and can you believe this is happening and ran back through all the things we'd already experienced and talked about the abuse and right you're kind of in a cycle right now just kind of doing the same things over and over again trying to make yourself feel better by telling yourself how bad your father was and trying to make yourself feel better saying we're going to get them for what they've done we still don't have all the pieces of the puzzle And unbeknownst to us, over the course of the weekend, he was calling the stockbroker. That was my father's stockbroker on his personal cell phone, trying to get money transferred into a a college account for his daughter. And later on, we find out the stockbroker is like, nobody has my number. Not even my best clients have my personal number. I don't know how he got it, but he was aggressive and wouldn't stop calling and was adamant, right? Um... So that's happening, which we don't know about. So on Sunday, my brother's coming in town um, later in the evening, and my sister and I are planning on going over to our uncle's home. Uh, My other uncle, not the one that we had the barbecue with, but the other one, um, the one, I guess just for the sake of making the CZ, the one that has the money, and um, who owned the company that my dad worked for. And at one point... So that's, you know, we, again, we're staying up late. So we're sleeping in and we're just processing and trying to get ready and get to the next whatever and talking to people and, you know, just trying to figure out what to do next. And so we decide, first of all, I don't have any summer clothes with me. I'm, I'm dressed for spring. Well, in the Midwest, it was, you know, it's, it's the beginning of May. It was still rather chilly. It's like 60 something and 60 you know low 70s well out there was like 85 <laughs> like a heat wave and so I had like nothing appropriate to wear my nails were broken off and I just I looked at mess. I didn't have half the stuff I needed to because I panic packed and um so we decided we're gonna go to I don't remember it's like T.J. Maxx or something and see if we can find something well they're closed and so we go to big lots, I'm not really sure why, and we're wandering aimlessly when I get a text from my husband to call him. And I called, called my husband, he's back, you know, in Kansas with his mom, and she just passed. And he was at my son's soccer game. <laughs> I was like, you need to go home with the kids, do they know the other two? So we have three kids, and the youngest one was playing soccer. And he said, yeah, yeah, they do. And she just passed away. She was 92. Wonderful woman. Wonderful life. Completely different circumstances. That's also sometimes hard. The comparison to have that contrast side by side at the same time. Um, And so I called my kids and they were upset. And I was upset. And it's hot. And I have on crappy clothes. And my nails are broken. And my hair looks like crap. And, you know, dad died in front of me. And you know, all the, all the things you're just really at a low point and going over to my uncle's palatial home to have a meal with people I haven't seen in 20 plus years, including some cousins and their spouse and you know, whatnot. And so we drive and I'm just trying to process and we get there early and, um, the caterers there setting everything up. And so my sister goes in, and she knows them a lot better than I do because she lives closer to them than I do. And I sat in the car and talked to my husband, and just I I wanted to be there so bad. I just wanted to just transport myself away from everything I was going through and just be there with them for so many reasons. And I finally get out, and I walk in, and I mean, I think the last time I saw this uncle, I was... Oh my gosh, I mean, probably 24, so 23 years, maybe a little less than that, and I'd never met his new wife, we'd been married to for, you know, at least 10, if not longer, in fact, I think it was definitely longer than that, maybe 20, and, um, there... Is this catered meal and there's classical music playing in the background, and everybody's so well put together, and there's people i haven't seen, and it was just a massive study in contrast as to how I was feeling and what I was experiencing. It was like otherworldly, you know and again, like these are not people I know that well. you want to think that family you know we we put all these like our own thoughts about family into that definition and then when that doesn't own up to it you think well this sucks you're no family (laughs) right and um for me it's like you know people that you can talk to and be real with who are gonna let you be kind of a mess and I very clearly felt like I couldn't be in this situation and felt a mess but didn't feel like I could be I was trying to keep it together and composed and be calm and um it was just weird. So we sat down for this meal. And it's not weird because of anything they did. I want to mention that. These are good people. You know, everybody processes things differently. They don't know us. I, I know that my dad said horrible things about us um, to them. And I'll get to that in a moment. But um, I know that that has to be in their ear a little bit, right? I mean, that has to be in there. It has, it has to have found some kind of home. So you also feel less than... Um, unimportant, abandoned, um, like black sheep, basically. So there's me and my sister sitting there, this table with a whole bunch of people that know each other relatively well. <laughs> and it was just a, you know, I, I think I told them what happened. And my sister chimed in as well with some of the things that we experienced it, it, just recently with what happened regarding, um, the caretaker and the ex, uh, executor, I almost said executor. Um, that's kind of appropriate. Um, and then they kind of started to talk about some of the things my dad did to them. You know, we're talking about extortion and bribery and blackmail and which I guess is bribery and, you know, just how horribly it was to some of the employees, how he treated people. And then I'll never forget Mangle saying, well, in those letters he would write to you guys. And I was like... I just remember being... It's like a gut punch, right? Because I know what letters he's talking about. My dad would send us these horrible letters about how horrible we were, basically. A breakdown of how much we sucked and what he would do if we would stop sucking, right? Like, oh, he'd give us this and do this, which is all bullshit, by the way. Like, my dad was big on saying things to get your immediate gratitude and then never followed through with it. Like just never ever can't tell you how many times he was taking us to Disney world or he's going to take the kids here. He was going to do this and none of those things ever happened. It was just about him needing that moment where you were like, Oh dad, that's so nice of you. Thank you. Yeah. He was no intention. And at some point I just stopped responding to anything he would ever say. And honestly, I'm glad we didn't, you know, weren't at the receiving end of that because then it would just have been another string attached. And, but I couldn't believe that my dad had showed those letters to other people and it just was embarrassing, honestly, knowing what was in them and knowing other people had read them I mean, I'd read them to close friends and family at the time, but never to, you know, anybody outside of that because they were so wretched. Um, and they were such a big part of why I thought so little of myself. And they were some of my darkest moments receiving some of those. Most of them were reserved for my brother, but my sister and I both received our fair share. And that that was a gut punch um and I know as I talk, I hear myself and I'm like, well, who's the villain here, right? My dad or them? It's both, really. you know, I the ultimate real victim in this is my father. Um, but he wasn't a good man, but you know, bad people have bad things happen to them too, and I wouldn't want anybody who was a decent human being as far as like, he didn't, as far as I know, kill anybody. Um, he was horrible to us, but, you know, he wasn't the worst person in the world. He was a bad guy, for sure, especially to us. But there were some people who probably never saw that side to him. It's part of, you know, narcissists. They definitely have supplies that they keep at a distance, whether geographically or otherwise, that they can always tap back into who maybe never saw that side of them, Right. Um, or maybe got glimpses of it, but didn't make sense. So they didn't process it the same way. Um, we definitely got the worst of my dad, um, along with any close like girlfriends or like his ex-wife, my mom, um, or his annulled marriage. And I think I, I told you about that earlier. <laughs> so, you know, there's definitely, um, it's hard sometimes cause I hear myself and I'm not sure who I'm more mad with. Um, I know that only one one person is gone from the planet and so um because he's the one that's gone at the hands of them i i think it's you know and, and again nothing's been proven but um they're both not great all three of them together were kind of a mess and some people probably think that he deserved what he got um but it wasn't just what he got it was what we got as well and, um, it's just, you know, th- that was a bad moment for me when I heard that, that he had shared those letters with people. And my other uncle seemed to also be aware of them. So, and I'm sure people didn't just stop there. They probably told their friends, oh my God, you should see these letters Kenny's writing about his kids. He's sending them to him and they're horrible. He said, you know, I can only imagine, <laughs> Some of the shit that was said about us. And the bottom line is all three of us, you know, are at different stages in life and with different abilities. um, But we're all good people. I know we wouldn't do anything like this to anybody. And um, a lot of the pain and struggle that all three of us have had have been because of the abuse we suffered at the hands of my dad. So, which is the most heartbreaking thing, right? The things that he said to us, he did to us. And, you know, things he hated about us were because of some of the things that he did to us, you know, we weren't successful enough. We weren't tall enough. We weren't athletic enough. We weren't, you know, whatever there for him, talk to him, call him, include him. And, in, you know, so he can put us down, you know, I, I, I just, I, it's, it's baffling. I still can't quite wrap my head around what happened, even though I know why it happened because he's a narcissist because he was a covert sociopathic narcissist and um, because we knew the truth about him and we were his biggest threat right and actually they say an empath that understands what narcissism is is the biggest enemy to a narcissist well guess what like I'm an empath and so I had my dad's number from an earlier age than possible but than most people would I guess and I still fed into it sometimes because I was afraid of it. So as I got older, definitely that changed. But so we sat through this meal and talked about, you know, the attorney and the will and the you know, executor who had been my dad's friend forever who they who still thought he was the executor. I had no idea that that had changed, you know, about figuring out the will situation. It's all about the money, right? I mean, it's, and, and and that's fine. Everybody has their thing. And for my uncle, it was like, you know, well, you know, that's, th- this stuff belongs to you. You guys should be the rightful heirs. And so we told him what we found out about the will, that we got X amount of dollars. It's under six figures. I'll just say that each, my mom got a very small sum of money, um, along with each of our kids, even smaller than what my mom got. Um, and that would be payable at 22. And I said numerous times the one thing I didn't want was for him to be the executor, that we would have to reach out to him to get this money. And then I was concerned that he was going to skip town. The other thing I mentioned was that the rest of my dad's estate was divided between these charities and a few other personal people that we knew. Um, and we agreed, like, I almost say agreed, the people in the will made sense to us. Um, I do think that they're you know, it was probably some transactions happening outside of all of this Well, um, And at the time, we weren't sure what the estate amount was, um, which we do know now to be in the millions. Um, but he, my dad divided, after everybody else was paid out, divided his estate um, between seven charities. And so we wanted to find out the charities too. We were hearing about some of the details, but we didn't had not seen the wall yet. And um, and my uncle's like that's just he had, your dad had money like I know because he took most of it from my company <laughs> and so um, you know so he knew there was a large amount of money I had seen bank statements so I had a general idea that there was more money than they were letting on like this whole your dad didn't even have that much money it was a bunch of BS and so anyway um, through the course of this I you know said something about my dad's house that we couldn't even you know, get our pictures or memories or anything. He's like, you haven't been to your dad's house. And I said, no, I mean, he's the executor and we can't. He's like, he's not the executor right now. Hasn't gone through court. Um, He's like, so nobody's the executor and you're next to Ken. You're the oldest. You you got a key? And I said, yeah. And he's like, go over to your dad's house. He's like, I'll send backup. So he sends, we leave. The meal kind of ended at that point. It was very quick. Um, And we head over with a little army of guys who have guns, which... I don't even want to get into that. Like, I, how weird that felt. You know, that we're concerned about him showing up or something going. So I don't even know. I'm like, what are we doing? This is insane, right? My mother in law just died. You know, we're gun toting, you know, crazy people headed over to my dad's home, the home I'd just been in in December for Christmas, and not knowing what to expect um, at all. We did know that there was a neighbor that had been up to, uh, see my dad in their home and that, you know, these are, these are crafty people. They come across very kind. I mean, of course you're going to, if you're trying to paint a picture, you're not going to be horrible to people. You're going to paint that picture well. And, um, you know, my dad, again, narcissist, you know, We knew more about my dad than anybody, and he wanted to keep us quiet and wanted to discredit us before we would say anything about who he was. It's why he kept his world so separate, divided, why we never met people, why we were kept from them, because he'd either lied about how successful we were or about how not successful we were, about how horrible we were, about how wonderful we were. Who knows what was said about us, honestly. Probably different things to different people at different times. And I don't know how he kept all of his lying up. I'm sure that there were people who were like, wait, wait, hold on. You said this about her last time. Um, even the stockbroker heard horrible stuff about us. I mean, that, that should say something right there. I mean, he was, my dad needed people to listen to the BS. Um, he couldn't help himself. And so we get over there and we have the key we get in the house. And the guys are outside, it's just me and my sister, and we walk in. And it was just another gut punch. It was empty. I mean, there were was, was some things left. But, you know, this is a three-bedroom townhome with, you know, two-and-a-half bathrooms, a kitchen, a large eat-in kitchen, a huge, you know, open living area, uh, pa- attached patio You know, a garage, a laundry room, a large master bedroom with a huge closet a huge bathroom and the two bedrooms upstairs um, and another bathroom up there and then kind of like an open loft area. I mean, this is not a teeny tiny place. The large, some large, not all, but some large items were still in the home. So some of the furniture was still there, Um, but the beer stein collection was gone all of my dad's paperwork and documents, financial, and he had a lot of that just laying around, including thousands and thousands of dollars in savings bonds um, gone, pictures gone, um, books gone, decorative items gone, um, his Hummel collection gone, his watch collection gone, um, washer and dryer gone. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how empty it was it was shocking to me and there were like the things from the cabinets in the kitchen like as far as like bowls and stuff on the countertops and then um, oh, I was just empty all of his clothes were gone any of his personal possessions were gone out of the bedroom um, so I went upstairs I, my sister went in my dad's room and I went upstairs and Because I knew that the pictures were up in one of the spare bedrooms. And it was just empty. Closets had been emptied. And I knew what was in them because I stayed there at Christmas. And I snooped. And um, there was maybe a third of the pictures that had been there. And then the rest of them from downstairs were gone. My dad's laptop. I mean, all of his electronics. Anything my dad had was gone. That was of value. Um, So I grabbed and then some grabbed the pictures and came downstairs and the guys kind of started to load the car. And I just, I remember saying to Aaron, what in the hell, like there's, where is everything? At one point, my dad had said, I want you to come through, go through my stuff. And, you know, um, and then Julie had said, no, 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 don't have her do that. That'd be too hard on her. So my dad said, well, Julie doesn't think you should do it. And I'm like, well, dad, I'm happy to do that. Like I, you know, I'm sure there's things that we want to keep in the family and not, you know, and he's like, Oh no, 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 Let Julie, she's got it. She'll handle it. I mean, again, this is somebody who was in his ear. And so something that would have made us maybe help heal us going through and talking and having those moments where we were kind of sharing what was happening and memories or, you know, even just the fact that he wanted us to maybe have some of that stuff was gone. And, um, so we grabbed, the dumbest things, because there was nothing but that. We did take one bag of documents. Um, I thought, you know, maybe there's something in here that will help us figure something out. Right. Um, I don't know. And, um, and then we, you know, oh, we got ridiculous stuff, a tray, two vases, this train set that my dad was an alcoholic. It's hilarious because there was alcohol in them. It's like an I don't know, some train thing with bottles of alcohol in it. And, um, and then the a, a Chris, a couple Christmas things. <laughs> I mean, it was like, everything was gone. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I still think about that. And so then we decided to go over to the other garage. So he had an attached garage and then there's an additional garage in the complex and his Thunderbird was in there. Um, and it was still there. I don't even know why we looked at it. We just did. I took the VIN number. I thought I'd like to know who buys it. Um, you know, my sister's like, we should buy it. And then, um, we could divvy the time up between the three of us and we could, we would actually do that. I think all three of us are pretty good people who would hold, you know, study to that agreement. But I'm like, I'm not asking to buy this. They're horrible. They won't want us to buy this. And, uh, so the neighbor comes out that we were worried about at this point. My sister goes over and starts talking. Then I come over and I say, yeah, I was here at Christmas. I spent Christmas with my dad. And then I just, I can't remember exactly what I said, but something to the effect of those are horrible people. I know you've met them, but they're liars. And we think that they killed my dad and um, that they're just in it for the money. (laughs) I said all these things, right? And I could tell he was kind of shell-shocked by everything. And he's like, well, I'm sorry about your dad. And, And we turned around and he goes, he's calling them right now. And I said, I know we need to go. Uh, because remember, they'd had screen time, right? They'd had shared experiences. And my dad had painted a picture. And then they painted the same picture. And so, again, it's that discrediting of us and who we are. It makes you feel like you're not a good person. Even though you're like, no, I'm I'm good. They're bad. I know this. Uh, you start to, you know, that's narcissistic abuse. You question yourself. You question how you feel. You question if what you're saying is right. If this is the right thing to do. And so we left and took the stuff back and... Unloaded it and it was, you know, the back of a hatchback basically. Um, And took it in and put it in one of the bedrooms at my sister's house and waited for my brother to arrive. In the meantime, I texted um, Kevin because one of the questions was that my uncle said at that meal, we need to know who the attorney is. And so I texted the, um, texted Kevin and I said, I need to know who the attorney for the estate is. And again, right. For the love of God, turn off your read receipt. If you don't want me to know this, um, the bubbles come up and they go down and they come up and they go down and this happened probably for five minutes, which is a long time. Like if you sit here for five minutes so just wait, it's a decent amount of time. And I, the response I got back was why would you need that information? Um, and if you have nothing to hide, why would you not give that to me? And so I thought for a moment, like, what am I going to say back? And I said, because we need a copy of my dad's will. And there's a moment and another moment, (laughs) and maybe about five minutes later I get a response with, well, your dad didn't want you to have a copy of the will. And as your dad's friend and executor you know, I can't authorize that. And he didn't want you to have that. And, you know, he's going on and on about the fact that he doesn't want us to see this will basically. And then he says, and if I were you, I would not go back into your father's house again because it's on the market. It wasn't on the market. Um, any idiot knows you can just Google search an address and find out. And that was one of our concerns is where's the money from the of my dad's beach house. And then this house, like it's, you know, apparently going to be sold. Like what's going on with that? Are they just selling it to somebody they know? And then they're buying it back for that price. And then they're selling it for more. I mean, there's so many possible things that could be happening here. Right. And we're just like, who watches this? Like who, who cares about this? I mean, I just, what do we do? So That was the moment, that was the last text with them. There was never another one um, that they knew, we knew, something was up. And, um, or at least that we didn't trust them, right? Um, And we never heard from them again. uh, Except through the attorney. So, that happens later. Um, And then my brother came in town. And my brother was kind of a mess. Obviously very upset. And processing things much differently. I think out of the three of us, he's more of the like sad that his dad is gone and we're more haunted by what we experienced and sad that our dad sucked so much. Um but at the same time, our it's upsetting to us that our father experienced what he experienced regardless of who he was to us. Um because that's more of a statement about who we are than it is about who he was. And so that's where we're at. I mean, it's, you know, as far as that weekend goes, we do meet the attorney on Monday and I'll get into that. Um, there were some new bits of information that came up during that. And then everything else that happened has happened over the past few months slowly. And we're just trying to figure out if there's a next move. I don't, We don't know what to do. I try to remind myself these things take a long time sometimes to come to light. Um, But nobody's been super helpful. And I'm a little paranoid because I reached out to a couple of private investigators and gave them some details and never heard back. So you start to think, does he know people there? Are there other people involved? The attorney also lied to us for the estate. Oh, and we find out when the will was changed. So that was a fun moment as well. Like I said, just lots of gut punches and trying to get through not just this, but everything that happened, you know, up to it, our lives and processing it. And the people that are now in our lives forever that we would never have wanted, um, because of him, it's really hard to get past that. So that's it. Be careful, be safe, make good decisions for the love of God. If you think you have a narcissist in your life, get them out, (laughs) go no contact. Don't do it. It's not worth it. You will save yourself a lot of heartache and pain the sooner you realize that somebody has that personality disorder because there is nothing you can do to change them um, if they're high on the spectrum. Everybody exhibits some narcissistic behavior here and there. We all have it in us, right? But not to that degree. And do not put your parents in the care of people you do not know and have not vetted. Um, and, and, and be very careful about, about who you bring into your life, um, and who you let other people that you care about bring into theirs as well. All right. That's it. I will talk to you later. Have a good few weeks. It'll probably be a bit and um, that's all. Thank you so much.